Hey folks, let's spend some time with friends up north. Pat Kreitlow of Up North News is on Lake Wissota. Sarah Yacoub with the Minocqua Brewing Company Super Pack is on the Mississippi River. And up on Lake Minocqua is Kirk Bangstead of the Minocqua Brewing Company. Wherever you are, welcome. You're up north. Hello and welcome to the Up North Podcast. I'm Kirk Bangstead. I'm Sarah Yacoub. I'm Pat Kreitlow, and on the show this week, a bombshell, which you would expect from bomb throwers. We will talk about the leaked document indicating uh, that the U.S. Supreme Court is about to overturn Roe v. Wade. And later, one of the last moderate Republicans who used to be in the state Senate, Dale Schultz, talks about what happened to his old party. And we have some good news. There's a moderate Republican candidate quite the unicorn these days, running to the left of right wing up north, Congressman Tom Tiffany in the August primary. We'll visit with Ty Cornelius in just a little bit. But first, of course, we have to get to the Supreme Court controversy and visit with our friend, Dr. Kristen Lyerly, the legislative director in the upper Midwest for the American College of Obstetrics and Gynecology and an old friend of the show. Welcome back, Kristen. Good to have you here. Well, thank you guys so much for having me. It's great to be here. Mm hmm. Hi, Chris. Uh, so, Kristen, um, you know, we've talked a lot about trying to help Wisconsin out and we've, you know, sat around and had had good wine uh, together and tried to <laughs> try have. to put our put our heads together on what we could do. And I re- and you and you texted me when you heard about this uh, thing, uh, you know, the, the, the leak decision. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, uh, and you were, you were just sad and I was sad and we were angry and I was like, we got to get you on the, We just got to talk about this, even though this wasn't part of our show today, we got to, we got to talk about it. So what's going on over there? What are your patients saying? You know, what is your, the obstetric community saying, uh, what's going on? So this really isn't a surprise. We have been anticipating this. We knew something was going to happen. We know what the nature of the court is. And Wisconsin is in such a unique situation because depending on what their judgment was, and this still could be the case, but it seems more likely we know what's going to happen. But Wisconsin could either become a state where abortion is completely outlawed and it's a felony or where we would be a haven state and we would be able to do some abortions. Now, the whole upper Midwest, like Illinois, is going to be a haven state. People are going to be able to go to Illinois. It's very, they've made it very easy for women to obtain the health care that they need. And Minnesota is similarly easy, but Wisconsin is just so tricky. So when this ruling came down, I think we were in a way relieved to know what we had to prepare for, but it was still a terrible gut punch. And not just for those of us who are trying to take care of patients, but I think for women all over the country, we've known that this has been in the balance for a long time, but to know that this truly is being taken away from us, it's just, it it defies understanding. Well, and you know, what we're hearing from the talking heads on Fox news is, well, if you don't like it, just move. And what a privileged, ugly thing to say to hardworking, working class people who don't have that luxury. They can't get up and move and then add on top of it all the wait lists. So then you have mm-hmm. to get there and then wait a couple days. It's just cruel. Or, or um, folks in the military, for example, yes. we've, we've heard from yeah. them as well. They, they mm-hmm. don't have that luxury. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, I mean, they can't pay. They, they can't afford to get up and move. They can't afford to come back for their second day, which is by 
the way, not a necessary appointment. I mean, all of this should be able to be done in one day, but they can't even afford to come back for their second day visit because they can't scrape up 200 bucks. I heard that three times yesterday. These people, I mean, it's food or an abortion. And if they can't afford their abortion, then what happens? They're four times more likely to end up in poverty. We've got data that shows that. This is not good for women. It's not good for the economy. It's not good for our entire country. Well, and looking at Justice Alito's opinion, it feels like they said the quiet part out loud. And I think that was the hardest Mm -hmm. part. Like, it's one thing to say, you know, we just love babies so much. Every baby must be born. We're all a bunch of forced birthers. Okay, fine. But when he's relying on Sir Matthew Hale, who is a judge who not only burned women at the stake for being a witch, Mm -hmm. but who also did not believe in marital rape, in marital rape, excuse me. So once you get married, you are property in this guy's eyes. And that's Justice Alito's hill to die on. And then Mm -hmm. if that's not enough, he goes into case law that gives us interracial marriage, that gives us gay marriage, that gives us some foresight of where they are going. And oh my gosh, I mean, they're literally legally taking us back to property in a way that is just horrifying. Mm -hmm. We have to be able to translate that so that it is understandable by the general public so that people will stand up and say, I'm not going to take this anymore. So that women and men who support us, which is most men will vote and understand how we are moving in the wrong direction not just for women, but for everyone. So it's it's crazy, Kristen. So you know, I'm um, you know, I've I'm actually dating an OBGYN as well. She was on our show, uh, so I've been constantly talking about this uh, nonstop in the last three days. And the the community is actually starting to talk about, um, you know, how doctors can get away with with providing women this healthcare and not lose their medical licenses in in in, in different states. You know, mm-hmm. like it's it's actually come to the point where, you know, it's like like their OBGYNs, you know, might be forced into the black market, you know, mm-hmm. to 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 provide the care that women need uh, during, you know, during this time. And, and it's it's makes me feel like I'm in a third world country right now. Not just OBGYNs, but there's so much information on the Internet. Midwives are stepping into this arena. People are doing self-managed abortions and they're figuring out how to do it surgically, how to do it medically, where they can get their medications from overseas or from states that are willing to provide it. This is a whole different industry. And now we're seeing a whole different set of problems. People showing up in the emergency department and getting grilled about what do you mean this is a miscarriage? Tell me about, is it, did you have a medicine? Where did you get the medicine? We just had this the other day at work, a detective calling because he was hunting down where a woman had gotten a, medic, a medication so that she could induce her own abortion. This so, is something I, we're going to see a lot more of. And, yeah. and uh, other people have made the point before me, but you know, law enforcement is uh, noteworthy in how local it is in terms of the degree of power that somebody chooses to exert. In other words, we're going to hear about, you know, the sheriff in, you know, Shawano County who decides to go after, you know, a woman because of a rumor he heard, or Kristen, the, the law enforcement officer that goes after you because they think that something that you prescribed isn't quite right. Mm-hmm. And there's nothing to stop a sheriff, a police chief, a rogue district attorney, and it's not going to stop at abortion. It, it is going to go right to contraception next. And and uh, I mean, you, 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 I, and a few others here are, are old enough to remember when, you know, uh, for the younger folks in our audience, contraception wasn't always as widely available legally as it is now, right? 
in my lifetime, contraception wasn't available for unmarried women. It was illegal for unmarried women to obtain contraception in the 70s. So, um, you know, it, we are really headed in the wrong direction. Law enforcement doesn't want to get involved. They don't want to touch this. Well, most of, the, most of them don't, but there's always somebody like that Racine County Sheriff, you know, who wants to make a name for himself. So that's that's what we're we're going to have to face. That's what every doc is going to have to face every provider, every woman. It's uh, well, as a a woman who's experienced the trauma of a miscarriage and they're they're heartbreaking and we don't talk about them um, because they're stigmatized and they shouldn't be. But the idea of mourning the loss of your child and then having to prove you didn't do it on purpose is grotesque. Mm -hmm. Add another layer. You know, I go toe to toe domestic abusers daily. And so, you know, they are manipulative and deceptive. And it is not beyond them to do a Google search on the home computer and then get her back for calling the police. So say, hey, mm-hmm. that miscarriage, she did that on purpose. Go prosecute her. And we do have those rogue DAs who are young and, you know, Sean Duffy wannabes who are trying to make a name for themselves. And it's really scary. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you're absolutely right. And, you know, I didn't mean to say that law enforcement wasn't going to prosecute. They will. It's a tricky situation, though, because Josh Call has said, our attorney general, that if abortion becomes illegal in Wisconsin, he won't prosecute. But that leaves a lot of gray area for who will, what's the statute of limitations, really what can we do as people who desperately want to provide care, much needed care for these women who need it. Not to mention the partisanship that comes into it, because one of the Republican candidates for attorney general said today that he most certainly will uh, you know, enforce any kind of a ban that comes up. So we, we, again, the whole thing's been put into the political arena, but to bring it mm-hmm. back to health care, you know, the people who keep telling us, well, there's no need to pass gun safety laws because that won't stop it from happening. Now believe that if you pass a ban on abortion, abortions will stop happening. So uh, Dr. Lyerly, um, will getting rid of Roe v. Wade get rid of all abortions? Getting rid of Roe v. Wade will not get get rid of all abortions. And in fact, it will make abortion much more dangerous. People will die. Families will be torn apart. And it is absolutely the wrong thing to do if you actually like people. Yeah, that's or the right way to, life. To, to tie a bow on this, to care about life. Uh, Dr. Mm-hmm. Kristen Lyerly, we sure appreciate your time. Let's do it again under happier circumstances, but we're so glad to have your information, your expertise. And uh, uh, thanks so much. We'll talk to you again soon. Love hanging out with you guys. Thank you. All right. We're going to take a break. When we come back, there's a Republican challenging Tom Tiffany for the congressional seat up north. We'll talk to Ty Cornelius about his candidacy next. You're up north. Welcome back to the Up North, Up North podcast. We just heard a song that is a tribute to the modern day Republican Party. <laughs> Honesty, Billy Joel. The reason that we have Ty Cornelius on as a guest today um, is because Tom Tiffany uh, is a congressman in our the 7th Congressional District. This is up north. It's where Monaco Brewing Company is. And, uh, and he keeps on repeating the big lie. And... Uh, the big lie that uh, Trump won Wisconsin, Trump won the election in America, 
And uh, and so Ty is a friend of mine. Ty uh, and I knew each other in Manaqua. Ty is a water ski stud that's been doing this thing uh, in in uh, the Plum Skeeters for a long time. He's been a special ed teacher. He's been a trainer of teachers uh, at the CESA, which I don't really know what CESA stands for, but it trains teachers. <laughs> and uh, I knew Ty, and Ty reached out to me, and he's like, Kirk, what do I? What do we do? Uh, we got a guy who wants to overthrow, overthrow our country as our, our, as our representative. And I was like, I don't know, man, like, uh, it's really hard for Democrat to win, uh, in, in the center. It's been gerrymandered to the hilt. Like the seventh district's been gerrymandered. Uh, you know, Pat ran for it. I ran for it. We lost Stevens point. I'm like, I don't think a Democrat can win. He's like, well, Kirk, I'm not a Democrat. I was like, I, I never even talk to you about your politics really uh so i just knew you as a friend i'm like no way he's like i think i want to run uh because somebody's got to step up to this guy and and i was like man i think that's great uh but i don't think i can support you or i got a real problem supporting you because i'm a pretty progressive guy and i'm your friend and so uh but i thought about it and i was like like this isn't about necessarily about what you call yourself, Republican or Democrat. This is about somebody who is a traitor against our country and 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 a political system that's so screwed up that nobody that says they're a Democrat can win uh, in this district. And so I thought about it and I was like, you know, you know, I'm I'm going to. I'm going to I'm going to do this and I might lose customers. I sell beer to progressives, by the way, I sell progressive beer uh, to people. And I'm like, people might never buy my beer again. The people who are my my best customers, if I'm going to endorse a Republican. Uh, but I said, like, I got to do it because uh, in the world we live in, it's so important to just tell the truth and to not lie and and to not lie to the effect that our country could get overthrown so that's my long-winded introduction to ty cornelius thanks for joining us ty. let's get him right into hey ty thanks for being here uh tell us a, a bit more about your background why you decided to run or the the question that i think we, we like to hear most often as candidates when people are serious about understanding you what's your story hey thanks um yeah um, yeah, Kirk, Kirk, what are you doing? What are you doing? Uh, supporting this guy. <laughs> oh, I like you, Ty. I know you're honest. You know, you don't have a lot of background in politics, which is probably a good thing at this point and at this stage in the game. So, uh, I know you're an honest guy and that's why I'm supporting you. Yeah. yeah. So why are you doing this? So David for, uh, you know, Canadians for uh, Congress, Wisconsin 7th. Um, just to get, get it out there. Um, I'm named after my dad. Um, so people call me Ty as a, you know, family and friends. And, uh, otherwise the, you know, Dave is the serious guy, David. So David is David, David is running for Congress and, uh, I am, uh, the, the, uh, I am running for the seventh because I represent the people here. Um, I've been here. Um, worked here and uh, I'm the man to uh, to represent and, and, and be the congressman for the seventh. 
So if you're, if you're one of those unicorns and I, I have no reason to think you're not, because I, I know plenty of them, there's, there's actually more unicorns that than than we want to give credit for. And that of course would be moderate Republicans. Um, and, and I truly believe that because again, I'm, I'm in Chippewa County. I'm surrounded by people who uh, would describe themselves as moderate Republicans for reasons, you know, of their own. We're not going to get into that, but I, I do believe them. And I know that they're either embarrassed about what's happening in the country nowadays, or they just tune it out. Um, so Ty, before deciding to run, were you kind of tuning all of this out or were you kind of on top of current events and were kind of embarrassed by what's happening with your party? And, and that's what made you decide to step up. Yeah. Great question. Um, no, I was not tuning it out. Um, I was more tuning it in um, and very concerned. Um, so, uh, you know, let's talk about January, you know, January 2nd, uh, 6th. <clears throat> yeah, I was, I was very concerned. I'm looking at uh, folks that are uh, voting, um, you know, to discount, you know, stakes, you know, the four states. Um 70, 70, uh, 70. Ty, let me cut in. Let me cut in. What did you yep. think when T Tom Tiffany, um, you know, when Texas said, took us to court, Wisconsin to court and said, wanted to invalidate our votes because they said that we had a fraudulent election and Tom Tiffany signed on to that. Uh, what did, how did that make you feel? So, you know, so I've, I followed Tom. I've known Tom for a while. Um, <laughs> yeah. Got me fired up, got me involved. Um, you know, when somebody, uh, you know, tries to, uh, you know, get a couple of uh, states uh, elections, not uh, counted. Um, yeah. I was, uh, that's why I'm, why I'm here. It, and it's what, you know, for, for folks that uh, don't know the whole background, uh, but uh, what, what Ty and Kirk are referring to is to, uh, that Congressman Tiffany, you know, signed on uh, as, a, as a friend of a case, a lawsuit uh, in Texas, I think by the attorney general in Texas or by uh, yeah. uh, yep. to, to invalidate uh, the votes in Wisconsin and three other states. Now, of course, it was thrown out. Nobody in Texas has the right to go to court and say you have to throw out Wisconsin's vote. But the very fact that Tom Tiffany signed on supporting that, that was him saying, I support overturning the will of the voters in Wisconsin. It's what prompted my editorial at Up North News that said Tom Tiffany needs to resign or be expelled from Congress. It's a position that, you know, I and other good people continue to have today. Uh, but since he's clearly not going to do that, we've, we've got, you know, tie in the race here to keep reminding so people this is, what, he's, this, what he's here for. This is, this keeps on, I mean, so not only the Milwaukee Journal Sentinel say that Tom Tiffany should resign and agreed with agreeing with up North news, which obviously is, you know, the premier news agency in Wisconsin at the moment, but like, like it does did Tom Tiffany really think that that the Wisconsin voters would be that dense to not kind of turn it around when he when he said that votes in Wisconsin, we agreed with Texas that votes in Wisconsin should not be counted. And the, those very same votes got him elected. Did he really 
he must have he he must have been so cynical to think that people in Wisconsin weren't smart enough to really draw that line and and that's and that's the horror that's the worst part about it is that how does that just, represent the people of the seventh that it doesn't it doesn't it doesn't no. represent the people of the no. seventh and no. and that's it like ty you've lived you've lived up here with me for a long time and uh you've seen i mean you're a water skier the lakes the streams the nature that's why people live up here um you know we know tom tiffany has voted against everything environmental pfos the uh shoreline protection um you know you, you've lived this environmental world what 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 are your thoughts on that well exactly so um <laughs> so that's an, an where does tom represent us um, he's not, uh, he's voted against two bills on PFOS. He's voted against, uh, the mineral rights, um, you know, up in Pinocchi. Um, geez. Yeah. What would have been great if, 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 uh, we did mine there and, and, uh, you know, Mercury no, he got, got he, the he, water. he got rid of the, the mining bill. Ty, we've got to hit right. commercial break, but we want to thank you. And we're going to talk to you again about the campaign. Thanks for uh, joining us to get us introduced to you. Okay. We will be back with uh, another moderate Republican, former state Senator Dale Schultz. In just a moment. history Jump as first. it happens. Won't you let me die? Well, good choice, Mr. Bankstead. Welcome back to the cabin. This is the Up North Podcast. I'm Pat Crightlow, along with Kirk Bankstead and Sarah Yacoub. Our next guest is Dale Schultz, who was first elected to the Wisconsin State Assembly in 1982, two years before my birth. Oh, my goodness. As a Republican, he then went on to become a Republican state senator in 1991 and was the Republican majority leader in 2004. In 2011, Schultz was the only Senate Republican to vote against Act 10, the infamous bill that broke the back of the Wisconsin Teachers Union. In 2014, Schultz announced he would not seek re-election, citing an increasingly partisan atmosphere. Thank you so much for joining us, Senator Schultz. Well, I'm delighted to be here. Thank you for that very kind introduction. And I want to say, Pat, it's nice to see you again. You're absolutely ageless. <laughs> see, that's how we politicians, we know a thing or two here. Um, I, I, I'm going to say I am actually very, very jealous. Uh, Dale is joining us from near the state capitol uh today was a reunion for state senators uh, not something they do all the time um and i wasn't able because i was flying uh till late yesterday um but uh i know we've got we've got a lot to talk about about current events but since you're there let's start with that because like you you were telling us during the break um it, it was a nice reminder of the collegiality that uh you know ran across the aisle when you and i were serving well, it was really a, a delightful time, and uh, the minority leader when I was majority leader was uh, Senator Judy Robson, and we gave each other a big hug, and she just immediately 
gushed about how much she appreciated me and how much she enjoyed serving with me. And I said, you know, Judy, you are a wonderful co-steward of this institution. And we managed to, uh, I think, acquit ourselves pretty well, do a lot of things on a bipartisan basis. Yes, that we had our disagreements. Uh, I think people deserve a good argument about policy. But we kept it uh, on policy, not letting it become uh, personal. And, uh, and that was pretty much, you know, the highlight for me of the evening to have that that high praise from a person I, I truly respect and enjoyed working with. Yep. It was, it was a, a great working with her. And, and of course, uh, plenty of folks from, from both sides of the aisle um, back in the day, as I guess we get to say right now, um, the one bit of um, somewhat off topic editorializing I'm going to do, but I, I wanted you to know how much I thought of you uh, reading a book. Um, oh, just over a year ago uh, called, uh, when when Republicans were progressive, written by former Minnesota U.S. Senator Dale, uh, Dave Durenberger. And it was a, uh, again, as somebody who was born and raised in St. Paul, a fascinating history of, um, you know, the, the Republican Party in Minnesota uh, when it was uh, arguably uh, about as as progressive in terms of looking out for you know, working folks looking out for, for families. And then he takes us through the journey of the, uh, you know, post Watergate uh, Reagan era, kind of the, the beginning of some changes in the Republican party. And uh, Dale, I know you're, you're probably sick of all the, the, the compliments by now, but um, I, I have to say, I, I thought of you while reading this book about uh, the people that we could get along with that we were both there to govern, to share the best ideas for governing, you know, rather than always looking for the next fight. Well, I think the two of us also were there to represent everyone, whether they voted for us or not. And that's something that I think we've lost. And I think that's terrible because everybody ought to feel like they have a connection to government. And when they don't, they fall victim to fear and grievance. And that seems to be where we're at now in this country. Politicians, instead of being uh, aspirational. Uh, you know, I like to tell people I'm a Republican who still believes in the 4th of July and the Statue of Liberty, and I want everyone to do better. And I want to work with everybody to make sure that we all get ahead. And uh, when you're constantly trying to put, you know, people back, you can't get ahead yourself. And we've lost that sense. But I think there are good people uh, starting to step forward. Maybe they're a little rough around the edges, but I think they'll learn if they listen to the, uh, the people and they tell them sincerely that they want to work for them and with everybody to get things done. And I think you're going to be surprised in this upcoming election how well some of these people do. And, and your uh, guest just on ahead of me, Ty, you know, I can remember what it was like when I first got in this business and was a little nervous and didn't quite know how to vocalize it. But, you know, you get out there with the people, they make you feel good and pretty soon your lips get a little looser, your mind yeah. flows a little freer, and yeah. politics yeah. becomes about ideas. Let me let me respond to that. I, I, I'm I was the same way. You know, I was I was a politician twice, and I I didn't know all I knew. I'm a, I'm a I'm a Norwegian guy who's got huge emotions, but they like there there's there's a huge skull that just doesn't let them out in the right way sometimes. And and so uh, you know I was just boiling over with emotions on. We got to do the right thing. And that's 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 what a lot of us northern Wisconsinites are. We can't really 
you know, we're not orators necessarily, but but we know something's wrong and we want to fix it, and we and we and we and we we just charge ahead. So that's that's why I, I respect Ty. I know he's in it for the right reasons. Um, I want to follow up with a conversation with you. You know, I I got you on the show today because, uh, you know, I I had to make a real a real political decision and i'm not i'm not a politician I'm, I'm a brewer first and foremost and you know and i've gotten into politics and i had to make a decision to support a republican in in the seventh congressional district uh but i sell beer specifically to democrats and and it was really was a hard decision for me to make i was really worried about that and 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 so i wanted to talk to you because you had you had to do the same thing you had to buck your party and and I I think because you did the right thing you you thought this Act Ten was just probably too much going too far and and, and I wanted to kind of get back to that that was seemingly at least to me the first like that was that was where Dale Schultz you know stood up and maybe it was before that I I mean I don't know Wisconsin history but to me that's like where Dale Schultz stood up and went and and roared and said this is this is this is me I'm gonna say what I'm gonna say and I'm not gonna I'm gonna put Wisconsin before my party. Well, I'd like to think that over 32 years, that was who I was all the time. Uh, yeah. It just didn't seem to be quite so controversial. You know, um, I was always very proud of the fact that I was parentally one of the biggest vote getters in the state facing tough challenges. And I always told people that my secret was that I had a lot of Democratic friends who maybe disagreed with me on a lot of issues, but they trusted me and they wanted they wanted uh, to succeed with their friends and neighbors, and they knew the way to get things done in a small rural community was to band together, uh, overlook our dif differences, see them as actually strengths, and uh, to uh, you know discuss what where where we wanted to go, and then get there. And you know, I I'm listening to Ty. I'm I'm thinking, you give this guy enough time with some people in that district, and they're going to follow. Him. And I think that's exciting, and it's what kept me in politics all those years it just there comes a time when you go it's time to leave and 32 years was a long run and uh, I cherish it and I remembered a lot uh, tonight and uh, I hope I can reminisce about it for many more reunions well I, I certainly look forward to uh reading the book that you haven't yet told us you're going to write um <laughs> <laughs> you know, I I was a deputy district attorney in Los Angeles. I wasn't remotely political, um, but we would have the best conversations at lunch, people from all different political perspectives, and we would just talk about ideas. And what I'm hearing you say, and you and Pat reminiscing, is so refreshing. This idea that, you know, no one party has a monopoly on the right answer and the best answers to complex problems pull from both sides. And you need both sides to bring their A game so that the good solutions will shake out. Um, but, you know, I, I'm thinking, is this an issue of leadership? Is this generational? I mean, how do we get that back in our political discourse? Well, I think it's just common sense. And I think it's out there. It's just uh, been a long time since anybody spoke to it. You know, I always felt that when I listened to other people who may be of a different political persuasion than me, that I had an opportunity to learn something. I also hoped that when my friends listened to me, that they also saw it as an opportunity to learn something. And when we finished that process, hopefully we came up with the best possible solution. That's the kind of aspirational politics that I believe in and that I think... Um, 
in many ways is a tradition in this state. You know, you talked a little bit about uh, progressivism before. Well, if you look where the wellspring of progressivism uh, was in Wisconsin, it was up in Eau Claire with the with the Knowles boys in, in New Richmond. And it was down in my part of the state in Sauk County with the La Follets. Um, you know, I'm a pretty conservative guy, but I got some awful long progressive streaks in me. And I think it it's a, a kind of a reflection of where I came from. And as long as I channeled the will of the people around me, I was in pretty good shape and, and it worked for 32 years. What can I say? So the question is, and I, I we've been really positive so far, and I'm, I'm so happy that we have. It really like it warms my heart. But I really think that the audience needs to he hear from you. Like, I, you know, and obviously I'm progressive and I'm a Democrat, but I, I really think that one side of the aisle is lying, you know, is, is taking up a mantle of, of telling untruths and being dishonest. Uh, and, and yeah, I'll, a lot of politicians are dishonest, but I, I, I think you might agree that I think the Republicans have, have gone off the rails a bit in Wisconsin and, and na nationally. And I wanted to hear if, if you agree with that, what do you think needs to happen to get them back on track? Well, I think uh, what Ty's doing is what has to happen. We have to challenge a lot of these people who's, who do, have decided that they're going to decide who gets to be a Republican and what they uh, should think. You know, where I come from, people are pretty proud of being independent and being a good Norwegian. I know you believe that. <laughs> and there's nothing wrong with that. And, and you know what? We need to call these people out and we need to tell them, you don't get to decide who's a Republican. And uh, the Republican Party has, has ebbed and flowed over the years and meant very different things to people. But if all you can do is say, uh, oh, he's a fake Republican or he's nothing but a rhino, then you really don't have much to contribute to a conversation that people want to hear about the issues that affect them. The kitchen table issues, putting food on the table, being able to uh, send a child to, to uh, the university uh, or afford good health care. Those are the things that people want to hear about. And if we focus on those things and get past the name calling, I think we, we've got real fertile territory. And I think Ty's got the right stuff. And hopefully he, he would uh, do something that you don't see often enough. And, and that is stand up, you know, to your own caucus or in your own caucus and say something like, hey, guys, let's let's think about it this way. Um, and so I want to see if I can draw out of you maybe one or two examples of, of times. Uh, we, we often don't get to talk about what happens behind closed caucus doors. So I'm going to go first and then see if there's anything that, that you care to share. Um, uh, the two examples uh, immediately come to mind. Um, one is when another freshman, uh, Jim Sullivan, and I proposed that uh, we were going to be the we were going to run as reformers and that we were going to have the Iowa nonpartisan model of redistricting. And our majority leader at the time uh, basically, you know, threw an F-bomb at us and said, nope, we're we're going to win in 2010 and we're going to draw the maps. Well, we know how well that worked out for the for the Democratic <laughs> caucus. But the, the story I like to tell more is that, uh, again, it was uh, it was Senator Sullivan. We were clearly the more the more moderate Democrats in our caucus. And when they were working on the Healthy Wisconsin Healthcare Reform Initiative in 2007, we were adamant that there had to be co-pays, small, but co-pays on things. 
um, because it, it would uh, it would get in the way of people overutilizing the system. And one uh, very loud Madison area senator said, you don't understand. These are people that will die if, if there's a copay. They don't have money. I don't have money. He then went outside, as he often does, right outside my office window, and chain-smoked an entire pack of cigarettes. Uh, we can <laughs> guess during the break who that is. Did you have moments like that in your in your caucus where it was you or somebody else that said, you need to think about this differently, and maybe you got shot down, but at, at least you stood your ground? You know, it actually happened quite frequently, and, and uh, I would say my piece and then put them down as undecided. <laughs> sounds, sounds about you right. Know, one, one of the things I learned in politics uh, uh, many, many years ago is don't waste your time with people who can't be bothered with new ideas because their mind's already made up. I, you know, I'm a believer in, the, in uh, John Maynard Keynes who said, when confronted with new information, I sometimes change my mind. And you, sir, you know, I, I just think that we should listen to people, be respectful. If it's appropriate, we should change your mind. And if we think we're talking to a wall, Let's just put them down as undecided and go on to the next person where we have an opportunity to build a coalition. Man, it's so healthy. It's so healthy to hear hear that, Dale. And it, I, I literally, you know, I get emotional when I think about growing up in Wisconsin and what we used to be as a state and uh, and where we've gotten to now. And I feel like, you know, I don't I didn't grow up in Mississippi, but I just feel like it must be, be like what they feel like. I just feel like. I'm so happy that we're talking to you, and I wish we could get back to that place where we could all work together. Well, I'm an optimist. I'm absolutely convinced that if we keep shoveling long enough, we're going to find the pony in the barn. And uh, <laughs> we just have to put our back to it and, and get, on, get on with it. You know, this state is still here. There are great people in the state. They work hard. They care about their neighbors. They worry about the future of this country. Yes, our economy is, is going through a bit of a, a rough patch. But, you know, I actually heard something from President Biden the other day that made me smile. He said, we're going to start paying down the national debt. When was the last time my party did that? No, every time there's a little extra money, they got to give out a tax cut. Mm -hmm. And generally, it doesn't come to the people who I used to represent, which always a made me mad. And, and folks I represent understand debt. The That's only right. difference is they had to pay theirs back. And they're wondering why their government can't do it. And, and I, I think it's a great thing. And I want to see a vote on that. And I want to see who votes not to pay down the national debt. Love hearing that. Love hearing your voice. Uh, please don't silence it anytime soon. Keep it up. And uh, Dale Schultz, thanks again for your time. We sure appreciate it. Anytime, guys. Uh, it's always a pleasure to talk to you. And Pat, it's a great to see you. And again, you're absolutely ageous. You hear uh, that, guys? <laughs> hear that? We'll be back to wrap up the show in just a moment. It is a privilege to be standing for the stripes and the stars. do each week we want to thank our hosts devil radio 92.7 in the madison area and in the waukesha milwaukee area wauk 540 am and the shaw 101.1 fm you can use their devil radio app to listen to our show on demand anytime 
And you can find my daily work over at upnorthnewswi.com or search upnorthnewswi on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And you can catch our new Upnorth News daily updates here on the radio, 7.30 weekday mornings, 5.30 in the evenings, and then scattered throughout the day as well. So, man, I'm, I'm, guys, I'm, I'm an emotional guy. I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna lie. The last couple segments just made me pine for a time that is not now that we could all work together and, and work in, be arm in arm and, you know, and Republican or Democrat and do good for the world. Uh, I picked that song because it's like the most country, seemingly Republican song you could possibly find when you got, you're talking about rural, you're talking about hanging the flag, you're talking about country and, and country, America, having, do that song is American and rural and awesome. And it, that I wish we could all put country over party or Wisconsin over party. Uh, and I, and I, I, I can't wait to get to that, get to that place. And that's why I wanted to end with this guys. Give me an example of the time that you chose Wisconsin over party or America over party in your professional political lives. Pat, you go first. Well, the first thing that came to mind, and I'm sure there's other examples, but um, the, and this one isn't as uniquely partisan, but uh, for those folks that remember, my first year in the legislature, 2007, was the year of the smoking ban debate. And um, Democrats had just taken control of uh, both houses and had the governorship. Everybody thought it would be a slam dunk to, you know, rush a ban through that would take effect in, say, you know, 90 days or 30 days, something like that. And um, a lot of people in my caucus were really shocked and very angry at me when I basically pulled the uh, the emergency break and said, slow this thing down, because I'm hearing from, you know, bar owners and restaurant owners in my district that are absolutely petrified and they need a longer window in case they want to sell the business or whatnot. Well, I mean, one group in favor of the smoking ban that, you know, favored me, favored my election, ran ads against me. You know, to say, tell Pat Kreitlow, we need a smoking ban right now. Well, that's not the way it worked. We ended up with, I think, 18 months or something to phase it in. It's still fine. You no longer have to throw your clothes in the washing machine as soon as you come back from a bar. And we didn't jam it down people's throats. So um, it's it's not the best, most partisan example. But um, that, that was definitely one where I took a lot of heat from my party for sticking up for my district. Sarah, yeah. tell us your story. So in the spirit of Senator Schultz uh, and sort of listening to understand, I've got an example there that actually hits close to home with my husband. So, you know, as a little kid, I asked, you know, what's abortion all about? And my grandmother said, you know, government doesn't have a right to tell you what to do with your body. Okay, fine. End of story. And, you know, my babies were babies at the moment I saw the pregnancy test. But I always thought if you don't like abortions, don't get an abortion. So my husband says that's like saying to someone, if you don't like murder, just don't commit murder. Of course, we're gonna have crimes on the book for murder. And it really sort of took me back of, okay, and understanding this perspective, and really sort of understanding how you can value life, but still protect bodily autonomy. And, you know, understanding that banning abortion doesn't end abortion, it just ends safe abortions and women will die. And so kind of working on bridging that gap between the two narratives and the two poles uh, and just getting us back to some sanity where most of America is, ironically enough. And obviously my story is we just brought Ty Cornelius on the show 
and I've mentioned it a few times. It, it was really a hard decision for me to make. Uh, I think I made the right decision for Wisconsin, not the right decision necessarily for the Democratic Party. But it, it, again, it's the kind of thing everybody has to do at one point or another. Any of us who have had a conversation uh, at a supper club with friends have you know, had, we've been challenged to, to think differently about something because we're hearing it from somebody we care about. And it's those conversations that are going to, as Dale said, get, get us back together. Um, and, and so let's have more of that. So with that, it's time for us to go. Thank you, Sarah. Thank you, Kirk. Thanks to our guests, Dr. Kristen Lyerly, Ty Cornelius, former state Senator Dale Schultz. We'll see you next week. Oh,